everybody and welcome back to the She Can, She Did podcast. I hope you're having a lovely week so far. If you are tuning in for the first time, firstly, welcome. The She Can, She Did podcast is basically a podcast in which I, Fiona Grayson, sit down with female founders dotted all over the UK via Zoom for the foreseeable future, but usually over a giant coffee in person, and ask them to open up to me about absolutely everything they've been through, the good, the bad, the ugly, it all goes in there, to not just launch, but grow and sustain their businesses to date. The overarching aim being that She Can, She Did essentially encourages current female founders to persevere, by highlighting that setbacks en route are so, so normal, but also to inspire as many aspiring business owners that launching a business is possible, no matter what age you are, but only if you're willing to grit your teeth and work damn hard. Now, before we get going on this week's bonus episode, which was actually recorded back in January, I'm so pleased to say that Tide Business Current Accounts are back once again as the sponsor of the She Can, She Did podcast. A fact that I am very happy about because I've been banking with Tide ever since I switched over to being a limited company at the end of 2018 and have loved them ever since so feel like I can really genuinely go to town talking them up in these intros. If you haven't heard of Tide it's a business current account dedicated to startups, entrepreneurs and freelancers. You can download the app and set up a business account with them in no more than 10 minutes if you're interested by the way who have in recent weeks set up a small business solidarity series on their website to champion and promote Tide users, which has been designed to showcase the various ways in which Tide members are supporting others as we all navigate the coming weeks and months. From free SEO resources and business coaching sessions from fellow business owners, to free online fitness sessions and meditation recordings too, there are so, so many useful offers to take advantage of, so please do feel free to have a look at their website, www.tide.co forward slash solidarity hyphen initiatives or of course by following the link in this episode's show notes which is probably easier. (laughs) Now back in January I bulk recorded the last few weekly episodes of series two which were due to go out throughout the course of March but when the coronavirus came along and I launched the We Can We Will series in response the last few episodes were put on pause for a while so I just want to say a giant giant thank you to the wonderful woman that is Amy Rushworth for her patience given that this episode has taken nearly six months to go live and let's face it the world looks rather different today than it did back then. Thankfully though having checked in with Amy in recent weeks bar having to cancel one of her retreats that was due to take place in Bali her business has continued to thrive this year so this chat thankfully still rings true today. As a transformation and healing mentor spiritual coach and speaker Amy's work is guiding a generation of women around the world to overcome their inner critic and manifest a reality of love, purpose, prosperity and pleasure, which let's face it is quite a dreamy combination. As a newbie in London with zero network when she first launched her business however, it's safe to say that Amy's had to work her socks off to get to where she is today and for that reason I have a whole lot of respect for her. She really does walk the talk and so it does not surprise me in the slightest that she's as successful as she is. This is the behind the scenes story of Amy's journey so far. As always ladies, I hope you enjoy it. Amy, 
Amy, can you set the scene about what your business is all about in your own words and we'll go from there? Please. Yeah, cool. So I have about seven or maybe eight now different things that my business does. So I am a transformational mentor and healing mentor for women. That involves one-to-one coaching. That's kind of like the more premium offering. And then I have online programs. I've got an academy, which is all about confidence and kind of like living your best life and how you move through the blocks to that rather than just setting goals, but feeling really critical along the way. So true transformation while setting goals. We've got the podcast. I do a lot of speaking. I retreat. Um, retreats. <laughs> yep, we were just talking about that. Events, and I also do business mentoring for women who want to create a business similar to mine, or who I share like-minded values with. So that's just something that I kind of do because I'm a big believer in collaboration rather than competition. And so, actually, a lot of my clients start as life coaching clients. They want to work on their relationship, their confidence, whatever it is, and then. And they often then end up becoming life coaches themselves or doing something similar. So I show them kind of the reins and how they can yeah. do it in a powerful way. And it's, way. I remember when we first met, that confidence, you really have like this aura around you and it's so magnetic. It's really impressive. Thank you. Your backstory lined up for this all, like everyone's backstory does, but there's a reason why you went into this. So can you take us right back to the beginning and talk us through what you were doing before you set up your own business that led to it? Yeah, for sure. It's a bit of a tumultuous ride, really. But if we go right back to the beginning, I remember being in school and I didn't know that half the careers that exist now existed. I didn't have anybody coming into my school and telling me you could be a nutritionist or you could be a life coach or you could be a writer and yeah and because I went to a private girls school it was quite competitive my confidence was very low I was a high achiever but I was always comparing myself so in my mind I was like okay what am I going to do that's going to make me feel good enough Mm because I didn't feel good enough so I thought lawyer I'll be a lawyer there's a couple of lawyers in my family everyone always admired them and yeah you respect the lawyer yeah they were like they had this kind of like esteem about them so I thought that will make me feel good enough and then my parents will give me validation and then I will feel like I've made it. Mm. So I went into that and I did like political and legal studies and stuff but I got about two years into that degree and I was like this is so not me. I'm not a huge stickler for details all the time and law is basically details, details, details (laughs) details. and if you miss a detail there will be trouble. So I found that it wasn't resonating with me and Mm. I also really wanted to help people. That was one of the reasons and I just kind of felt like I'm not actually going to be able to do that in the way that I want to so then I kind of went to another extreme and I studied fashion design and I went into the fashion industry I was working as a stylist I had a really good job I was kind of killing it on the outside but I was very very unwell in terms of my behaviors my health I used to drink and take a lot of drugs and you're in Oz at this time yeah when I still lived in Australia and I kept up this act that I kept up since I was probably about 13 of like being this perfect achiever mm-hmm. on the outside but I was actually not treating myself well yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah and it turns out I was really mentally sick and I was struggling with PTSD but I just didn't get a diagnosis till I was about 23 so when that happened and I was having panic attacks and I was in the midst of PTSD it was stopping my ability to work you know you can't hide a panic attack when you're on a fashion shoot with models and big brands and things like that so got into therapy got told about PTSD and what I was dealing with and I started reevaluating lots of aspects of my life so I started getting 
getting clear on like, who are the people that I'm hanging out with? Are these friendships nourishing? What am I reading? Like at this point, I'm not even reading any books. I remember thinking about, I haven't read a book since high school. What am I watching? Like what media am I consuming? Is it just celebrity media? And I started just aligning all these different pieces of my life to make myself feel better and get better. And in that process, I got a bit of a confidence boost after about two years of this. And I decided I'm going to quit my job and move over to London with the intention that I'd stay in the fashion industry. But I kind of knew, as we kind of all know, I had this little niggle inside that it wasn't right. And I'd always wanted to start a business. I'd had a business when I was like 15 on eBay. Why did you want one? I don't like being told what to do, to be honest. (laughs) I like to have creative freedom. I like to play by my own rules. I don't like being confined and told what to do. And also I knew that I wanted something more nourishing in terms of my career, something that was more fulfilling rather than like superficial, which fashion was. It has a reputation. Yeah, for sure. And you know, some people, they really love it and that's their purpose, but it definitely wasn't mine. I just kind of liked clothes, to be honest. (laughs) And art, I liked making art. So I had this niggle. I'd been ignoring it for a long time. And then I came over to London to work for a really big designer here. And I was like, yep, I've got it made now. I was still seeking that significance. And I'll be like, I'll feel good about fashion once I get this job. I just have to climb that ladder. And then I thought I had this job. And after about a month of kind of thinking that they were sending over this job opportunity that they were sending over the contract I hadn't heard from them and I reached out and they basically took the job offer off table and I was in this position of oh my god what am I gonna do I didn't really have any network here I didn't really have many friends or people that I knew I just signed a new lease I was like oh my gosh so quickly took another job which was horrendous and that kind of series of events led to me sitting down in my living room crying with my journal and going what do I want to do what is my legacy what do I want to create and if I'm gonna fail at something or get rejected it might as well be something that makes my heart full and makes my heart sing so when I sat down and actually clarified that and went through that process of what is my dream day what are my values what's my legacy what impact do I want to make I had what I now call an intuitive download where I had this thought of well you could coach people to get better the way that you've been getting better for the last three years so I was like I don't even know what that would look like but I just started with that idea and then went on to discover like what trainings can I do and then I started my business and I've continued to develop that and evolve that and now it is this huge thing that it is now. Yeah that's amazing. I'm interested in the bit where you said you did the work and then you launched the business that to me is the bit that I want to hone in on. So what did that look like in terms of knowing which courses to take, who to speak to, how you put yourself out there, all of that because ultimately it's a service-based business you can do all of those studies but until people believe you and buy into what you're offering it's not a business yeah for sure so I've always been really passionate from the get-go about ongoing development and investing in the right resources and the right mentors so initially it was almost a stab in the dark it was like okay here's a coaching course it looks quite good I've heard other people have done it I've seen other people who've promoted this course I'm going to start there and I'm also going to do a Pilates certification because maybe I want to do that so it was like not having this 
perfect plan mapped mm -hmm. out, but just following what I was intrigued by. Yeah. Pilates wasn't for me. So I didn't see it as a waste <laughs> of money, but yeah, you know, I was just like, you know, got me closer to what I do want to do. And then from there, I started with my first certification. I had that confidence to actually go out there and say, I'm qualified, I can do this mm -hmm. and work with clients. But even before I started my sole trader company, which was my first company and now it's limited company, I had a business coach before I even was out there helping me to clarify what do I want, what ideas are coming from fear and what are coming from inspiration. And I did things like Marie Folio's B-School. I had my first business mentor. And then with the money that I first made from my first clients, I put it straight back into the business. And I clarified, you know, what are the things that I can leverage for free? So marketing up until only recently, all my marketing has been me. And now I'm in obviously the position where I can outsource mm -hmm. that. But I thought to myself, you know, what are the things that I'm really good at? And what can I resource for free or swap with people? When you spoke to the business coach in the early days, what were your initial fears? You don't strike me as a, you, like you're fearless in my eyes. So, like, <laughs> so what was it back then? I'm interested because obviously confidence grows. Yeah. As your business becomes more and more successful, you have that validation that you're doing all right. But I'm always interested in those first few months where you don't have anything to show for yourself. Mm. So what was your mindset back then? Oh my God, I was so not fearless. Yeah. And it's interesting when I do my business mentoring, people say, how did you do this? And I'm like, it's okay that you feel so overwhelmed right mm -hmm. now because that was me. I asked my now husband. Yeah, because you two met at the same time as all of this was taking off. So I think it was kind of aligning, right? Yeah, for sure. I think during those early days, what really helped was having a support network around me. Some of my friends were not super supportive. And I think that that's something that triggers a lot of people when they start business. I often hear this from clients and see it written on business forums. People who are very triggered by family not supporting them by buying their products or liking their products. And that was kind of a big thing that I had to go through to realize that it's not their job to buy my services and to support my services. But at the same time, what emotional support do I need from people and how do I ask them for that? I am not typically that great at asking people for help because I'm very independent and I like to do things my way and myself. And that was a lesson for me of learning to ask for support, even to utilize in-between session support with my business coach. I remember initially I didn't want to text her even though I was paying for that service. So it's learning to ask for that support. And then also something that I clarified very early on when money was just non-existent and I was already in debt from my courses and just investing in a mentor like, yeah, yeah. you know thousands of pounds I was like what can I utilize did that just go on a credit card or like borrow from family or what? I had some savings when I moved over but yeah they went very fast yeah. and then from there it was like okay what can I leverage that is free, that I'm good at, that will bring me some sort of return that will have a yield. So I was like, okay, I'm quite good at talking to people. I'm really good at connecting people. I even interviewed a couple of my friends and I just said, you know, what do you see as my strengths? Just random stuff. And they were like, you're always connecting people. And there were all these friendship groups that had been created just by me connecting people that yeah. I thought would get along. So I thought maybe I could do this in business. I don't know that many people in London in the industry. How can I I start to first of all make friends because I'm feeling lonely and I'm feeling like I don't have emotional support of fellow entrepreneurs because mm -hmm. none of my friends had businesses and 
then maybe as well, business opportunities are going to come from this because I know that it's often, you know, who you know that's going to at least help you get that foot in the door. 100%. So I started connecting people that I thought were like-minded. I went to events on my own and I was always thinking like, who can I connect this person with? Because then they'll remember me for that introduction. Oh God, you always remember the people that introduced you to someone amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I also started thinking about when you're starting out and you're in that fear-based mindset, you're very much being quite selfish in a way you're thinking how can I make some money for me and how can I not fail and how can I get something Mm -hmm. so when you're approaching people of a certain status who you want to help you they're busy people that are thinking about themselves as well and their business so it was like how can I approach this in a different way why don't I play the long game and ask how can I support you so I started reaching out to people in the industry and said how can I support you can I send my clients to you I was looking at people who weren't direct competitors but aligned so I was speaking to chiropractors essential oil people mass yeah exactly massage therapists Mm -hmm. PTs and saying can I send my clients to you if I need and can we have a relationship and I don't expect a fee in return I just want to have a beautiful network of people who can support all of these clients and they were like yeah for sure so I started looking at how I could serve others which is the whole reason I'm in this business anyway and then what happened was those favors eventually started being returned and I presume that you went for say certain demographic of a type of woman it can't be like just every woman and her every man and his dog but let's go every woman and her dog it's like you have a certain target audience in mind so what does that woman look like yeah my ideal client avatar has definitely evolved Mm -hmm. since I began as I have evolved so I started as a wellness coach that was my first certification but I've evolved as I've done my other certifications at the moment I'm training as a sex therapist so it's going there as well interesting it very much is a whole other conversation yeah yeah not today not today so as I've evolved obviously the client has but I've identified the certain pain points and then my avatar is almost slightly different across the different things that I offer so the woman who comes to an event that's 20 pounds is very different to the woman who invests five grand to work with me sometimes the woman who comes on a retreat is also very different to the woman who's gonna listen to my podcast but not actually engage with my services However, what brings them together are the pain points distinct from age or demographic or ethnicity, etc. And those pain points are overthinking, self-doubt, comparison, body image issues, and obviously confidence. And those things stem from various experiences. But Yeah, I mean, what woman can't relate to one of those though? Do you know what I mean? One, two, three, like it's crazy. I'm interested in, you mentioned prices there, how your pricing structures evolved from Mm -hmm. the early days like given that you are now a lot more qualified than you were at the beginning and experience and all of that kind of stuff how did you approach it from day one and what's that evolution look like I would say the evolution has shifted as my relationship with money has shifted as well so any good business coach will have you work on your mindset and beliefs around money it's a supercharged and taboo subject very similar to sex actually we all do it we all use it but no one talks about it I saw your Instagram story earlier I was just having a little peek and you said how money and sex were aligned and all of this kind of stuff and it's like oh it's so interesting and then you shared something about the moon cycles and I love a good I love reading about that so I followed her now and I'm like oh Oh, there's so many different bits but anyway carry on focus yeah so with money obviously a huge thing that comes up for I think most 
female entrepreneurs is charging what they're worth mm-hmm. and not underselling themselves when they're in that fear, when they're in those early days of like, oh, but if I just lower the price, maybe I'll get this client and then I can yeah. put some food on the table. But what I definitely discovered very early on, and I had a great business coach straight out who was mad about money mindset stuff was that the client is going to get a better result when you charge what you're worth when it's aligned with what you're worth right so not people who are out there just going I'm going to make six figures in six minutes because I'm going to replicate because that's where I have the issue I'm like yeah (laughs) totally but kind of circling back to what I was saying before about how I've consistently invested in myself I've never not had a business coach during my business I've done three certifications and like tons of other CPD which is more informal I know that as I continue to add to my expertise and every time I work with a new client or run a retreat and I'm you know have worked with like you know multiple hundreds of women that all of those experiences add value to the next client and so it's a mix of knowing what you're worth and then also knowing your client avatar and placing it at the right place and for my clients it needs to be a number that makes them a little bit uncomfortable in order for them to really value the work to do the work between sessions which is where most of the transformation occurs and also for confidence it's huge because if we look at that self-worth piece half of that is worth so a lot of women don't prioritize themselves and they burn out and they think that they're worthless or not good enough so when they spend several thousand dollars on themselves or even for some women you know I've had single moms who have saved for two years to afford some of my programs that is a huge confidence boost for them because they're saying I'm worth it and they show up with commitment and they get amazing results so I try to kind of price myself yeah I mean it totally makes sense I think it's just so interesting hearing it because it's something that crops up so much in the interviews especially for service-based businesses it's that what price am I worth so definitely about the passive income with the online courses like was that a conscious decision and the, the process because again it's such a clever business move so yeah. what did that look like setting up and how regularly do you kind of check in and keep on top of it yeah so we've kind of just been transitioning to this more passive model over the last couple of months really you, right so it's a really great way of scaling yeah for sure so I've got a team around me you know who I outsource lots of things to and I took on a new marketing team late last year and I have my online academy but that was previously more of a live program so how it worked was that all the resources were set up so it could be passive but I would do live coaching rounds and I would close the doors and then open them so there was that time urgency for people and I marketed that just to my own Instagram audience who I had already built so much trust with because I show up every day and give them free stuff all the time so I could get you know between 15 to 25 women each round it's a 600 dollar course it's an eight-week course so you know you could get these kind of injections of income but now the model that we're moving to is more of almost like a membership model even though you only pay the one time so the school is set up you can go through those resources you go into a Facebook community and then we do two live rounds every year but you can go on those live rounds again and again and again so it's kind of like $600 you pay it once you get your course but you're part of this community ongoing and you get that support from other women as well which 
for them is really good value and it's good for me because I can scale it the whole year rather than just doing these really intense launches mm -hmm. which stress me out. Yeah. <laughs> out of everything you do, what's your favourite? Oh, everything has a different flavour. One-to-ones are amazing because you really get to see that person mm -hmm. go usually from quite a rock-bottom place or really stuck place and thrive. And I work quite kind of differently, I guess, to some coaches in that my clients speak to me a lot between sessions as well. We voice note. I'm in their pocket all the time. So you really go on a journey with that person and you have a very special relationship. It's deeper than some friendships mm -hmm. for people. So that's amazing. But also retreat are amazing because they are intense. I mean, Amy, I'm going to Bali for work. <laughs> it's like the dream. And like Cornwall is my favourite part of the country. So like you yeah. can pick better destinations. Yeah, but overall, I would say my favourite thing about the business is that I live the life that I want to live. Like I'm the queen of my own life and my business is like my realm or my kingdom. And like I'm just here taking care of all, the, all of these women, trying to give them confidence. But at the same time, I define how I want to work, how I want to live. And for me in the next like probably year or two years, I'll be starting a family. And so I want to be the mother that is present and can kind of decide how she wants to work. So I would say for overall, that's what I love the most yeah. about my business. What does your typical day look like? I'm intrigued. Uh, it's so different every day. You know, some days I'll be working really long hours, but I really love it. Mm. So it doesn't really feel like bad. I'm just like, I have to be strict with myself and be like Amy get off the screen now yeah, yeah. but typically the way that I work is I'll see my clients Monday to Wednesday we get high priority tasks into that first chunk of the week and one-to-one -one clients are the high priority because they're my high ticket clients and we want to have them starting their week with inspiration and feeling really good and having a plan to go forward then Do Thursday no we do all online okay. so previously I did this but I just found that for me it was like bringing people into my home and it was like different energy I was having to sage the apartment all the time yeah, and yeah. yeah so but the cool thing is is that's really good because most of my clients live all around the world from Mexico to Australia to everywhere so then we go Thursday and Friday and I do things that are important for the business but are less important so things that will record the podcast I'll do networking coffees with people in the industry I'll put meetings in there with my managers and different members of my team and things like that so it's so interesting because I remember you saying that when we first met and I was planning my diary the other day and that's always kind of stayed in my head so now it's like all the investment stuff at the beginning of the week and then the podcast on Friday when I can just as in yeah. like editing and just kind of uploading it and stuff this week is a bit different you i feel like you'd be proud of me i'm getting everything all bulk recorded so that i have the rest of the week to just amazing some other things yeah <laughs> Just popping on here with a little reminder to say that this episode is sponsored by Tide Business Current Accounts, who have created the Small Business Solidarity Series, showcasing how Tide members are supporting others with their businesses as we all try and navigate the weeks and months ahead. To browse the offers and discounts available, feel free to have a peek at the link to the Business Solidarity Series in this episode's show notes. In terms of challenges, what's been the hardest part about this whole process since launching the business to now? 
I guess in the beginning money was a thing, but I, I'm really grateful for that and mm-hmm. I don't see it as a challenge because I'm like, no, it's an initiation when you start yeah. a business. And also in a service-based business, you have that room to profit really quickly mm-hmm. versus like a product business. You know, it's a longer cycle. Rolling with that though, how did you keep yourself going? Because it's easy in hindsight when you have money to look back and kind of think like, oh, it was all worth it. But when you haven't got to that point yet, how do you keep yourself going? Yeah, so when I first started my business, I had a four day a week job alongside. So I was working as a nanny. That was a real like ego death having to do that because it was like I had a degree, loads of amazing education, student debt. And then it was like I went back to being paid £11 an hour. I chose to do that though because I knew that it would be a low stress job on me and I would have a bit more flexibility with that job. And then I would be able to still do extra studies, see clients, do talks, that sort of thing. So I just kept that job until I was half ready to take the leap into full time. How long was that? A year and a half. And I just allowed myself to be in that space. Mm -hmm. That was a bit of a challenge because you're kind of creating this image in an industry, but I'm like going to this job every day and, you know, cleaning up after little kids. And I really loved the kids that I worked for. So Mm -hmm. it made it, it made it. Better. Better. <laughs> yeah totally they were amazing but at the same time I definitely think I had like a bit of imposter syndrome around there because you're going out I well I was going out and doing talks and seeing clients but then I was like well I'm not even at this level that I feel like I need to be at and I'm such a high achiever that it was really a process for me to learn how to be patient and to just make my foundation strong rather than always trying to rush on yeah, to the next thing yeah um, so that was challenging, but an amazing learning experience. And I guess you value the money you learn now so much more because you went through that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think some of the other challenges have been investing in certain things that haven't worked out, for example. So it's all well and good when you kind of make a mistake or fail and you give yourself a pep talk. But when you've spent a lot of money and you're not going to recoup that money, it can be very challenging and triggering. Yeah. So I have worked with various people who have like promised me things in terms of marketing and other things that they can deliver that they really haven't met those expectations that I had. And a huge lesson through that with me was being less impulsive and marinating on decisions for a little bit longer, exploring different options, and also being more explicit with conversations before I jump into something. And it's the same when you hire someone, you know, I had to let somebody go. And that was down to me, not having a hiring process, not being explicit, not communicating more specifically with people and also just hiring based on personality and how you would, I don't know, become friends with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say learning to be more explicit and be more firm in my communication, especially when your dollars are attached to it has been something that was challenging, but a really great learning experience. Yeah, definitely. And it's something that pops up all the time. In terms of your team, you've obviously got a team now. How do you find like the management of that? Yeah, I've just sort of started and inched my way further and further with that. So I started with an assistant when I was still quite a young business. I was in this position of like, I can't afford an assistant. Like I can't even always pay my own bills. But I knew that I was at that level of like, if I don't stop doing some of these tasks, I'm not going to be able to grow and thrive. So I started with just a few hours a week and then I worked up and now I've got an assistant who works for me three to four days a week. She's virtual. It's amazing. And she actually works for another 
another friend of mine as well who has a really similar business so she like knows the dynamics yeah. which is great and then from there I hired a manager so my manager does negotiations around anything like speaking opportunities brand collaborations mm-hmm. and she knows our objectives and makes sure that that price is met that marketing exposure is met and makes sure that it's a sweet deal for me basically and goes in with her, <laughs> her bullhorns which is nice to have that buffer because sometimes when you've got a massive brand that wants to work with you they kind of know that and come in like swinging their big dip going just do it for free and you're yeah. like actually no yeah, yeah. it's two and a half grand an hour and you can pay it yeah, yeah. so she does that my, uh, my sister's job is pretty much being the rule and not for me for her friend and I just think it's so interesting <laughs> that's how it all works have you ever questioned it for one minute like I didn't sign up for this anything really tested you like a really bad day on the job no I don't think so something that is sometimes tricky is that a lot of my friends and people in my industry, there's a lot of overlap, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes... Oh God, there's so much competition. In the same inverted commas, but like yeah. there's a lot of people saying they do what you do and everything. Yeah, for sure. And I don't see that in terms of comparison because I feel good in my own lane and I know what I'm doing. But sometimes you can feel like you're in a bit of an echo chamber and also sometimes the content's really similar. Sometimes people think like maybe you're like, are you copying me? Like that sort of thing I've had quite a few incidents where people have like plagiarized my website or taken things from me done my courses and then like replicated so that is something that has been quite triggering but not anything that I would ever consider ever doing something else like it's not an option let's roll with that though because again it's frustrating how common that is but like plagiarism is a thing how did you deal with that and what's your advice I suppose to so many businesses that have that happen to them all the time yeah for sure I mean it happened again recently and I was really triggered by this and so I immediately messaged one of my friends who's a massive author and she's like an eating psychology coach and I just knew people just must copy her all the time and copy her books. So I just said, I'm just going to text her. And she gave me some really good advice. And she was just like, look, you're just in another league and that's why it's happening. And it's going to continue happening. It's going to happen when you publish a book. It's going to happen when people take your courses just so they can copy them. They're going to pay $500 to take your course and plagiarize it. It will happen. You just need to stay in your own lane. And then another friend of mine, she's a Sagittarius. So she's really fiery. And she was like, be the CEO of your business and threaten to sue them (laughs) so in that instant what I did was I just contacted the person just really explicitly without emotion informed them that it was an IP infringement made sure it was an email so that it was like all documented they took it down and then I just took it as a learning experience because when I do publish my book that will just continue to happen right because people can just lift it right out of the book 100% there's a really funny Veronica Dilly quote and it's like imitation is the biggest form of flattery and she crosses flattery out and just puts an asterisk imitation is the biggest form of being a dick or something (laughs) it's easy to say that I guess when it's not you and then I actually had another friend of mine who is incredibly successful in the wellness industry who's noticed that she's been copied by people as well and she messaged me about it because she knew I'd recently just been through that and I said the same thing to her but when you're in the position you're like I'm not flattered I'm just pissed off at you 100% it's Um, just like but the the kind of key takeaway and then once you simmer down you 
you realize this is that if somebody's copying you it's because they're not doing well right yeah, because yeah. if your business is successful you're doing your own thing 100%. and so if they're doing that even though it's annoying and you do have to lay down the law legally it's almost like you can feel a little bit sorry for them because they're obviously really insecure they're not yeah, doing yeah. well and they think that that's the way to go about it and what you're doing is right that is something to be admired in terms of if they're copying it, it must be good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested in the fact that you obviously said that you had to rejig some friendships at the beginning. And I'm really interested in like family, friends, relationships and how they evolve as businesses grow and like what the you know, early days, how people perceive it, all of that kind of stuff. So what's your friendship circle looked like throughout this whole process? And have you seen any relationships swing either way, better, worse? How have you dealt with it? So some have come full circle. So some of my friendships that were pre-existing, I didn't fall out with them necessarily but I became distant because I was running a business if you're not running a business you don't necessarily know what that's like from the outside looking in so I felt a bit misunderstood a bit unsupported and also I didn't have time to go to the pub with everyone because I was building a business so some of those experiences created distance but then now those friendships now I'm in a good place Mm -hmm. I can also see that I was projecting some of my insecurities onto them and how were they to know how to support me when first of all I wasn't being direct I was assuming they should know and then secondly how should they know because they've never run a business in their life and they've been in a nine-to-five their whole life where your salary is fixed you basically know what you're getting into most days and that's kind of how things are so that was like a full circle moment for me and those friendships are great mostly now one or two people I kind of fell out with because they were just blatantly unsupportive and didn't want me to change how did you deal with that just cut them out or well I used to be someone who is like quite an avoider the us type sevens like to do that because we don't like to experience pain or confrontation we're just like cut ties and yeah. enjoy my life but I did sit down with a couple of people and we just kind of you know had a conscious conversation and that was sort of the end mm-hmm. as well in that period where we got distant I was very lonely and in that same period where I told you I was reaching out to people and going to events I remember that I made it my goal on a new year's eve that I I had my business goals and that was fine but I was like a really core personal goal for me is to call in a circle of soul sisters people who get it people who share my values people who don't want drama and are doing their thing and we're supporting each other and so a lot of my friends I manifested that year by going up to an event speaking to and then I would directly ask people do you want to be my friend let's put a date in the day honestly you said those exact words all my best friends that's how we became friends Oh my gosh. Yeah, so we all laugh about it now, of course. And other people have done it as well. And now some people have actually done it to me in return because they've heard me say it. Like some of my closest friends are women that I've met since Lord She She Can She Did. When you find people that share mindset values, it's funny how quickly you bond. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, instant. And obviously, where your husband's super supportive and all of that, he's kind of come along this journey with you as well. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, you know, even when the job that I had fell through, I remember I messaged him, we'd only been on two dates or something. And he was like, I'll come, I'll leave work and come get you. I hope you're okay. So, he was like always a sweetie and supportive from the start. And he's definitely seen this huge evolution in me. He shares a lot of the same values as me. So, that 
makes our relationship super easy and aligned. So he is an achiever. He is super successful, driven. He is emotionally available. He is really intelligent. He is calm, but also adventurous. So he is doing an MBA at the moment. He's very entrepreneurial. We have a very shared vision for what our life will be like and where we want to live and travel and stuff. So it's been fundamental having him there because sometimes, you know, as anyone who started a business knows, sometimes you think that you're about to go to the go to the mental asylum you know there's so many challenges but he's been great and you know with our relationship as well I think when I first started my business a lot of people probably assumed that he was helping me fund that because he's like a director in finance but we've always been 50 50 on everything from the get-go even when I had no money and I was nannying and so good though and I it's like something that I always admire in people if you're doing it off your own back Yeah, for sure. But at the time, it could have been like, oh, well, I wish he would just kind of like help me out, you know, but he really respects women and believes in feminine empowerment. Mm -hmm. So like that was a quality, right? And so that was actually really good because it meant that I wasn't being codependent and it wasn't like I just had this cash fund available to me. I had to get resourceful. It makes you rough. Yeah, my savings ran out about four or five months in, and I didn't earn anything for about 10, 11 months. And my sister paid my mortgage in the interim, and she literally sat me down because, like, I can't carry on doing this because I was pitching mm. to sponsors at the time, and they were saying no because I didn't have anything to show for myself. And she literally was like, We just can't carry on. And it was like a massive, like, shit, of course it can't. Like, yeah, let's go. It was a tiny mortgage compared to a London mortgage, but like, still, she was paying my bills. Yeah, no, it's so easy to kind of get comfortable with that. And then, yeah, zero can move forward, but like it was that pressure, and I think that everyone needs that. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself since launching this? What has being your own boss taught you about yourself? I think I've just become the most me that I've ever been. And my mum even says that I'm like how I was when I was a really little girl. My work, my business, knowing myself as someone who has created this has been fundamental in healing my PTSD. It has given me so much confidence, so much self-worth. Everything that I teach, I embody because I just believe that, you know, you have to walk your talk. And I think it's very easy to see when that's not the case yeah for sure so like a lot of my life though I'd been faking it though Mm -hmm. and I realized that you know if I was going to start this business and I was going to be a stand for all these women authenticity had to be the centerpiece and I hadn't always been authentic I'd actually been really fake and I'd been faking to myself to other people and I just really transformed that a lot through my business and walking my talk and being that example for my clients so my business and my clients have inspired me just as much as I've probably inspired them and also even just being able to create the money and the income and all of that in quite a short space of time because you're doing a while yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing really good, you yeah. know. And I was saying before the mic went on that you are 100% the most glam person I've ever You just walked in and I'm like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, well, it helps that I have a thriving business. Yeah, but that's it. That's it, though. And it's kind of like it's what you can envision and you're kind of out the other side. And it's just, I think for anyone listening, it's such a nice reminder of like what 
could be, you know, like if you carry on plugging away. Yeah, for sure. You know, and being aligned with what I would call your true north. Mm -hmm. So whenever I've done something in my business out of fear or just from ego of like, yeah, that will probably look really good and make me some money, but I'm not like fully into it, but I'll just do it because it makes money. Mm -hmm. It never works out. It'll flop. It will be all wrong. Stuff will go wrong or no one will sign up. And it just proves time and time and time again, like, the universe is watching you all the time. And the more that you lean into what's authentic, what lights you up, what you're good at as well, having an awareness of that, also having an awareness of your weaknesses and making decisions from like a place of, is that authentic? Does that come from my heart or does that come from a fear? The more that you come from that heart space, that intuition, the money comes to you, it's reciprocal. And people want to pay you what you're worth. People want to pay you. And, you know, I've had 19 year olds work with me who have saved up all their savings to come and work with me and that's a lot of money I wouldn't have spent that money when I was 19 you know and they always say that it's worth it for themselves yeah I was literally getting drunk at uni at 19 I know sometimes I feel a little bit bad I'm like do I need to give you like a student discount (laughs) and you know I know that as well there's like a aspect of privilege and things there as well and like I'm very aware of that and not everybody can have the privilege to do that it is a privilege to work on yourself but I also think you know if you're investing in yourself if you're becoming an expert at what you do if you're amazing at what you do you deserve to receive abundance and recognition for that hugely yes Um, (laughs) wrapping up then i am going to say some statements i'd like you to finish them sure pretty please number one being my own boss means freedom authenticity adventure that. when it's not quite going to plan my advice would be to fuck it just keep stepping forward yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely if I could describe myself as a businesswoman I'd say that I am confident courageous successful thank you mm. abundant and spiritual love that if I could go back to day one of my business I'd tell myself you've got this yeah. just keep going yeah <laughs> and very lastly I want my legacy to be that I want to always leave everyone I meet better than I found them. I think you do. I feel I've been uplifted. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. If you have a minute to spare and enjoyed it, of course, it would mean so much to me if you could please rate the podcast below or leave a review if you fancy being extra kind, as apparently it helps to give the series a little boost and helps other female founders and aspiring business owners to find it. For now, though, enjoy the rest of your day and please do look out for next week's episode. (music) 